First name, Mr. Last name, Glass. Is it possible that there are no coincidences? I see dead people. Welcome back to Chronologically on this podcast, myself and Eric. Hey, how's it going, Jeff? It's going. Uh, we go through uh, full theatrical. We go through. I got to work this intro out still. We go through the movies. The, <laughs> we go through the movies. It. We go through the movies. We watch a lot of movies. <laughs> yeah. We go through the filmographies of individual film creators. Uh, so far, directors, but perhaps not always directors. Yeah, uh, you never know. And Could uh, be a dolly grip. Yep, check them out in their completion in chronological order, one at a time, and then have a conversation he's, about that film. He's good, folks. He's much better than some others, um, mainly me. My name's Jeff. That guy's Eric. We're going through the filmography of one of my favorite directors, M. Night Shyamalan, and we've taken some detours. We've watched, uh, you know, She's All That, and, you know... Was there another bonus? It's no, been not so yet. long. No, no. So Full we, transparency. Baby has been born. Baby has been born. And let me tell you, I won. I won. Uh, I, I called it uh, eight pounds and 15 ounces. Holy Two smokes. The ounce. Nailed what an incredible. It. What an incredible feat that this, this guy has done. Um, unfortunately, you didn't pull a uh, Marty McFly and put any money on it. Um, no, no, yeah, and I therefore Vegas could have altered the future. I could have really made quite a lot of money and started my own uh, murder casino. Yeah, yeah. Next, next time. Anyway, <laughs> not better, that I'm better, better not be in better next not time. Be next time. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> yeah, uh, baby is happy, healthy, as is the family uh, yes. and mama, which all is, is all well. good news. But that led to a little hiatus in our recording schedule. So now, now we are back. But we planned for it, and so you didn't notice. But, um, yeah, so we are back, and we came back probably at the, 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 the genesis, the start of what is about to be the phenomenon of M. Night Shyamalan's career because we watched The Sixth Sense. We did watch The Sixth Sense. And, you know, it's funny because in the past we've talked about 1999 and what a fantastic uh, year that is for cinema. And I did not realize, like, th there are some bangers in 1999. Like, really, really awesome movies. This was the second highest grossing movie uh, of 1999. Like, I knew this film was a hit. I knew it was a phenomenon. I didn't realize that it was like, like that. You know, like, like it was so, an enormous hit. An enormous hit. Oh, the only reason it lost, it wasn't number one, is because Phantom Menace came out. Phantom Menace. Yeah. That's the only reason. So that, that it beat out Toy Story 2. Wow. Um, yeah, like there are some bangers. Austin Powers 2, The Matrix, Tarzan, The Mummy, Runaway Bride, Blair Witch, Notting Hill. Like, it's- Damn, 99. It's ridiculous. American Pie. Just live at the theater. Yeah, I mean, like it goes on and on the the list. And then you get down into some like Deep Blue Sea. You know, there's people there's people who love it. Uh, the Green Mile. You know, like 
it's a ridiculous a ridiculous year in cinema. But yeah, this was the second highest grossing film in the world that year. So this this is the guy who his last film was the weird little thing with Dennis Leary. Wide awake. It, it, yeah, it was wide awake, right? And uh, had all sorts of problems with, with the Weinsteins making that film. The thing like sat on the shelf for three years, and then they just kind of puked it out into the theaters for a weekend. It didn't make any money. So this is somebody who's coming at this with like almost zero Hollywood pull, right? Like his, his cachet is not very strong at this point. And he just like comes out and just hits one out of the park. You're like, no wonder he got to do whatever he wanted for the next ten years because it's a phenomenon. He wrote this, and this directed film this is film, a phenomenon. right? Yeah. So not only did it wasn't the sort of situation where someone was like, "Hey, we have this script we like sitting around. You can do it." You know, this was I wrote this script. I'm making this movie. I don't know how he got it done. I don't know how he went into the, the the bosses and said, listen, this is the shit I want to make. Go get me Bruce Willis. Um, so there's there's a bit of a story. The guy, the guy that bought the script ended up getting fired because he paid to at Disney. Like so the guy at Disney who bought the script ended up getting fired because he paid too much for the script and uh, the bosses were not pleased with him for doing it. The only reason Bruce Willis is in this movie is because he was scheduled to make a movie the year before and he started a shit show. Like he didn't like the director. He didn't like the script and he basically torpedoed the movie. And as punishment, I don't know, contractually (laughs) for for that, he had to make he owed Disney two films like that was the settlement was that he would make two films. Do you know the other film? I'm guessing it's the next one. I don't know. No, I mean I'll I'll look into it before we watch oh, before we watch Unbreakable. That's true. But uh, this was the first of the two films that he pooped out for. Talk them. about winning, right? As <laughs> right. a punishment, you're going right. to star in one of the greatest films ever, and you know another tremendous film. You know between it's like this, it, like Six Sense in Unbreakable. A lot of times people are like which is the best of the two. You know, so not only are you now sort of tied at the hip to Shyamalan, but you're in two of his best pictures. Yeah, yeah. Talk about somebody that you want to be tied at the hip to. You know, like it's it's very similar to the Spielberg trajectory. You know, like uh, it makes a couple of smaller films. You know, not super successful. I, I think like Spielberg's earlier films were a little more successful than Shyamalan's were. Yeah, but then it just comes flying out of nowhere with this worldwide phenomenon which has gone down in history as like an all-time movie classic nominated for like six oscars best picture best supporting actress best supporting actor best screenplay you know and and just makes all the money in time became the number one best-selling dvd of all time the number one most rented film of all time like the number one best-selling dvd yeah man incredible incredible i did not know that um, so let's talk about our history, um, with the sixth sense. Now, I think it's safe to say we both had seen this before this most recent viewing. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I, okay. 1999 prime movie going time for me, right? This is the year before my oldest son was born. I, I did not have anything keeping me out of the theater. Um, I had 
expendable cash and you know, I'll be I'll be frank, be, going to the movies is like my favorite thing to do. It's my favorite thing oh, to do. Oh, for like, sure. Like, for sure, like, out of everything, movies and concerts. Like, my favorite things. Um, so, I was at the theater, and I saw, like, a lot of those films we just listed off. I saw almost all of them in the theater, you know? Like, I was I was one of those guys who'd go in the morning, go see three movies, back to back. Boom, 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 boom. Ah, oh, I'm so, jealous. So, like, at that point, anything that came out that kind of resembled a horror film, I was there. When this movie came out, there was not a lot of press about it, you know? Like, that came after. It was kind of the Blair Witch situation. Like, there was a mm-hmm. week or two where people were just kind of, like, stumbling into this thing. Like, oh, what's this weird thing? And then, you know, then the buzz hits. And, and you know, like, people were like, oh, my God, you got to go see this thing, right? And that's how this movie was. So I actually saw this before the buzz hit i was one of those people that stumbled into it lucky you oh yeah for sure man so like a hundred you didn't know no did not know the twist at all so let me ask absolutely i unfortunately was spoiled before my first viewing which is sad to say but did it blow your balls off when it happened a hundred percent blew my balls off and I'm, okay. I'm like one of those guys who kind of like prides myself in figuring out the twist if there is a twist you know and that's part of the reason why i like m night so much because like he consistently blows my balls off there have been a few that i've figured out but uh but yeah this one like it was jaw dropping and you it's one of those moments in the theater like there have been a few moments in the theater that are just like unforgettable moments right i did one of them i think of is the the ending of paranormal activity when the woman is standing there rocking and then she turns towards the camera and she's all demonic like people actually like jumped out of their seats and were like crawling over the seats to get away from the screen people flipped the fuck out that's kind of how this was like 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 as it dawned on people because the way it's presented it's not like cut and dry it's not like it just hit like it kind of dawns on you as you're watching and then like starts replaying those little clips and you're like, oh, oh, you know, and you could hear throughout the theater this eruption of people just being like, oh, my God, you know, just brains just exploding throughout the theater. It was like, uh, <laughs> what's the movie with so, Sam Jackson where the brains pop at the end? Uh, <laughs> the Kingsman. <laughs> Kingsman with heads exploding and brains flying up in the air in every direction. Like it, th- there's no communicating well enough how mind blowing it was when it happened the first time, you know? Yeah. Cause I, I like, so the ring drops, we're going to skip right to the twist. Yeah. Cause there's a lot to talk about with this film, but, uh, and kind of one of the themes we're going to talk about the quality and of the twists in these films and whether they add, or take away from the film. Um, but obviously this one is sort of legendary. But so the ring drops and you're in the theater. She She's asleep and she drops the ring. It rolls across the floor. Are you hip at that point? No, when does it no. dawn on you? Like, why'd you leave me, Malcolm? I didn't leave you. And it's interesting because like, I forgot how it unfolded. Like it's been a good 10 years since I've seen this. And so I was really interested in paying attention and how it unfolded this time. And, and so, like, she says, why'd you leave me, Malcolm? And he says, I didn't. And then the ring drops. And then it's kind of like, huh? And he, he looks at his hand. And you're like, what is going on? And then 
it starts replaying the clips of of uh, Cole from earlier in the movie, and that's when it hits. That's when, yeah. it, and, and you could tell, like in the theater, that it hit people. At diff- it wasn't like simultaneously everybody got it. It was like some people took a little longer to kind of register what was going on. I think I think the point where he says they see what they want to see, and then he says they don't know they're dead. You know, that's right. the point where like, the last people kind of clicked into place, and you know the uproar <laughs> the uproar hits oh yeah and then like shockingly Spoilers for six cents <laughs> yeah shockingly <laughs> yeah. then the movie just ends like i kind of like was surprised like there's no big denouement like he basically gives a little like go to sleep everything will be different for you in the morning like it's time for you to start healing i'm gonna leave and then it just hits with the credits like like yeah. boom right there um, so it just it basically blows your balls off and then, and then just ends. So people are like staggering out of the theater like they just got hit in the face with a frying pan. You know, like it's it's pretty it was a pretty incredible effect. It was a massive. It's like seeing the greatest magic trick of all time. You know, like you're just like, oh, fuck. And then immediately you want to go back in and see it again. Like, right. Immediately. You want to catch all the. The yes. clues, all the clues. And they're all there. You know, like now when you're watching it, you're like, oh, he never touches a chair when he sits down. He kind of like comes around it and just slides down into it. He never touches any objects unless he's by himself. You know, like when he's by himself, he'll flip through the book and make notes or whatever. But when he's with other people, he doesn't touch anything. You know, yeah. no one ever responds to him except for Cole. You know, like he's sitting there with the mom and the first time you watch it, the impression you get is that they're there together. And she says, you've got an hour, meaning you got an hour with him, but really meaning you got an hour until the pancakes are ready, you know, <laughs> like do whatever yeah. you want, kid. Um, so, yeah, it's just ah, fucking just such a banger, dude. Like, yeah. like the twist, so, the twist alone. And, and we'll get to like whether or not it would work without the twist. But, uh, man. The, the the greatest of all time like just the greatest of all time the I twist to end all twists yes yeah for sure better than the usual suspects better than you know like all the other films where you think of where it surprises you at the end like just the best how yeah. about okay okay so uh, going back to my history um i continued to love the film i took several people to see it i was one of the dvd purchasers i like have showed it to people throughout the years you know couldn't wait until my kids were old enough to show it to them like even now my daughter's 10 and i'm like to my wife like you think pearl's old enough to be like can we can we show it to her yet like like let's come on let's do it i showed it to my mom i showed it to my dad like i showed it to like all sorts of people and so i've seen it a lot over the years but then you know about 10 years ago i kind of tapered off so it's been a little while since i've seen it so watching it this time i was able to kind of see it with fresh eyes okay your turn your turn your history with the film so um, this is one where I, uh, it, because I knew the twists, I, I'm trying to remember where I it clicked for me that I loved Shyamalan. Maybe Signs or Unbreakable, I don't know. But I knew the twist going in, and and so I had seen it three or four times. I'm like, yeah, it's great. It, it, it's a good movie, you know. But I always had other films in higher regard, right? Just because those were the ones where I didn't know the twist. And I went into them and I enjoyed them. And and honestly, I think it signs is like the point where I was like, okay, this guy's my favorite. But um, I mean, I've seen Six Sense two or three times. Uh, and that's about it. Like, I don't, I don't have like a super 
opinion like like I was I wasn't like oh my god six cents and a lot of it probably is had that twist been there had I not known and seen it and been like oh my god it might have changed things but uh, at least before this viewing I was like yeah it's a good one it's a good one yeah I I was. <sighs> Okay, so let's talk about whether or not it would work without the twist, because I I am definitely of the opinion that yes, it would very much work yes. without the twist. Like, so that's a question that we're gonna have going forward for all of these twists. Will it work without the twist? And to me, absolutely, because if we the last scene of the movie would be him talking with his mother, saying, "Grandma, you know, says she's proud of you every day," and they hug, and then you hit credits. I'm leaving the theater like, man, what a positive, like, this movie is supposed to be a horror movie, yet I left with hope and love. What a beautiful film. That scene blew my mind this time. Like, Listen, I kind of I forgot about how that played out. Like, I, I, I remembered that he kind of told her what was going on. I remembered vaguely that he told her about the woman in the accident and she's standing outside right. the window. And I kind of thought he was going to say something like, and she's wearing a yellow hat and then they would pull forward and she'd see the yellow hat and believe him or whatever. I've totally forgot about the aspect where he's talking about his grandmother coming to visit him. And that's where he offers her like solid proof of, you know what happened because he knows things that he shouldn't know about things that happened between his mom and his grandmother when his mom was a child and about, Things that his mom said in private at the grandmother's grave and the grandmother's offering answers and so on. And like, I, I, that scene like devastated me. Like I, I'm obviously very sleep deprived right now. (laughs) My emotions, (laughs) my emotions are heightened. Right. But I'll be damned if I didn't like cry at that scene. Like I like cried at that scene. And yeah. And then I was like, oh, this is this is why he got Tony Collette right here. This is her paycheck right here. Because the whole so, movie I'm watching, I'm like, you know, it, she, it's okay, but she could have been anybody. Like, anybody could have done this part. Like, anybody with some know. acting Like, chops. her frustrated effort and the the scene where after they have their fight about the, the bee pendant or whatever, and she's in the bathroom and he comes up and he's crying and he's like, if you're not too mad could I sleep with you? And she does look at my face. I'm not too mad. And then he's shaking and she's like, you're shaking. Call, talk to me. Talk to me. Busted me, busted me big time. This is as much as Bruce Willis is the name on the poster. This is Tony Collette and Haley Osment's film. They own this shit. Well, they yeah. own it. Yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> like, I, I, I so agree. Good. But I will say like that, that moment at the end, like it felt so earned like like the the film yes. had to like built up to it so much and like you see her realizing what's going on with her kid and he tells her and she's like they got this moment of like horror and fear like oh my kid is nuts you know and then he keeps going and you just see on her face it dawning and then like this this emotional like not only is she reconciling the fact that her kid actually does see dead people and it has like lived with this torment but she also has this you know emotional reckoning with her history with her mother simultaneously right and so like 
all this stuff is going on in her face and it's just like it's too much you know and she kind of like breaks and oh it's so good it's it's like it really did break me i was just like oh my god i can't handle it i can't handle it right it's probably my favorite scene in the film but and then there's the there's the point where you know you know at the grave that day you ask her a question and she says the answer is every day and she asks, do i make her proud and you get to see the little kid that she is inside still yes and then she gets comforted by cole that's what gets me yeah is that he is the adult in that moment he is the one hugging and saying it's okay i love you it's okay um that's what got me because he's incredibly mature for his age because he's had to deal with such things on his own you know like the scary monsters under his bed are very real and no one believes him the other great scene where he's more adult than you would expect him to be is when bruce willis comes into the church and cole is up above he like he's up in the balcony playing with his soldiers and he looks yeah. down and he sees that something has changed with bruce willis and he said something happened and bruce willis says yeah and he says are you wigging out <laughs> just, <laughs> just cracked me up because you know like he knows that his reality is bonkers right and right and, like somebody else has like been sucked into that reality you know they're going to be kind of like breaking a little bit underneath you know the pressure of of what it what it really means um like that that kid should have won the oscar like he should oh, he should have won him like, and tony collette should have did i don't know did tony collette win an oscar for no, this but no i don't think so i don't um, think anybody won i don't think it won anything which is bonkers no but, it doesn't yeah uh she got nominated uh and haley did as well man like what a stellar job and he's he's a real talent like i still enjoy him i don't know if you ever see him in anything as an adult but he's hysterical he's really a funny guy yeah and and uh he's definitely much more of a comedic presence than he was in this but he's kind of kind of clever and quippy and there's this some too. good parts i didn't know you were supposed to be funny right he does the magic trick really good there was another line i can't think of right now that had me you know laughing but it successfully um, avoids like the cute kid trope right you never you never like have that like oh a kid wouldn't say that you know like yeah it, it, it's very realistic and understated when he gets off a joke but still really affected the the writing is spectacular and the way he delivers everything is like so yeah. freaking good yeah for sure um I, and yeah I, i've always enjoyed with the exception of one film which we've already reviewed most of Haley joe osmond's work is you know uh pay it forward and i think he's a tremendous actor and kind of ahead of his time at least in the the sense of he's more mature than his age is as yeah. far as his acting and he's excellent. Um, so we've been kind of working backwards um, there, uh, but also kind of going off of the whole thing of him being somewhat adult. There are plenty of moments where he's still a kid. And one of my favorite just little moments is when he's at the breakfast table in his pajamas and he's got the big gloves on cause it's cold in the house, but he's like got the giant, keeping my hands warm glove trying to eat breakfast i'd like that you know pretty good 
Yeah, I kind of thought that maybe they were dad's glass or dad's gloves, like he wears yeah. dad's glasses. You know, you never get like real clarity on what's going on with dad. Uh, dad, what's he say? He tells he tells Bruce Willis at one point, dad's off with the lady who works in the toll booth or something like that. Yeah, like, he ran off. He ran <laughs> Makes off me wonder some... how what she does if she has to pee. Yeah. Right, 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 right. Yeah, um, but you know, like they're both kind of in mourning of that situation as well. Like their family is busted, you know, and it's just the two of them left. And so a large part of the film is just this family drama. And like, I think structurally that's part of work. What works so well about this movie. I mean, I'm going to just draw another parallel between this and Spielberg and jaws. It takes about half the movie before they show the monster, right? Like, if you're seeing this for the first time, you're about halfway through this movie before you even know what's going on with this kid. Like, you don't know if he's... You don't know that yeah. he's seeing ghosts. Like, there are no ghosts in the movie. The first time it, it happens, that it, it kind of gives you any insight into what his experience is, is when he's at the birthday party and hears the voice coming out of the closet at the top of the stairs. Well, there's the breakfast where she leaves the room and comes back and all of the... Oh, right, 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 Cupboards right, right. are open. Right. Which is such an effective, like... It's a poltergeist moment. Practical, right? yeah. yeah. Like just the chairs an effective, on the table. practical moment. Yep. Great stuff. Yeah, yeah. But again, like, you're not sure what his involvement is in this. And, and that moment is really great. I love the handprints on the table. It's just such a quiet yep. effect, like watching those handprints disappear off the table where you see that he had his hands down and was like death grip on the table, you know, because he was so afraid. Um, but it it does take a long time to tip its hand, you know, um, b- before any supernatural elements like really come into play where you're really seeing what he's seeing you know you're seeing the people hanging in the school you're seeing you know the kid with the shotgun blast at the back of his head you know all the like horrifying imagery that cole is dealing with on day to day it takes forever to get there you know but the film is so well written and so well constructed that that mystery is delicious you know like it is it's it's really intriguing and you want to know what's going on and you're kind of just like happy to be in these people's world and kind of like seeing yeah what's happening like it un it unrolls it in such a meticulous and careful way that you're with it the entire way like you never get bored even though like not much stuff is happening you know um because it finds suspense in moments that maybe shouldn't be suspenseful like the stuttering stanley part Right? Like stuttering Stanley, stuttering Stanley, and it just gets louder and louder and louder, and the music builds up. But really, this is just yeah. a kid, like, you know, dicking off at a teacher, you know? <laughs> like, but right. it really is effective. Like, it really, like, gets your blood pressure going, you know? Um, so, yeah, I, I think, like, that structure of the thing, and then when it does reveal what he's seeing, that's when, like, some of the big scares hit. Um, Misha Barton, uh, the little girl under the blanket. Um, the first time you saw it, did that scare you? I can't remember, but probably it was a huge scare moment in the because theater. nothing had gone into his tent, right? 
right? His tent in his bedroom is his safe place. And uh, the monsters, you get the impression that they don't go there. That's the safe place. He has all these uh, religious figures there, and, and he definitely finds some solace in being in the in the church. Uh, I don't know if maybe it's a, a place that ghosts don't seem to go or what, and then he has his own little cathedral at home. And so far, nothing has found its way in there. And so that, I, I think, at least jump-scared me. Uh, but I honestly can't recall how I felt the first time I saw it. Yeah, it was, it got a huge reaction in the theater the first time. And the times that I've shown it to other people, it gets a huge reaction out of them, too. Which is funny, because watching it now, you know, and knowing that it's going to happen, it is absolutely not scary, right? Right. <laughs> like, it's it's more pitiful you know and not not pitiful in like a i look down on it sort of way but like pathetic like this poor girl you know um and, and so it's interesting that the scene can play such different ways depending on what you know about the film and that's part of what makes it such an interesting rewatch is that it all plays differently once you know what's going on like the scares are less effective but the drama works a lot better you know it's i don't know cool cool yeah cool stuff so i guess if we if we uh continue <laughs> i don't know what uh other scenes i i, I want to talk about here but i think for me and as we said does the movie work without the twist we kind of didn't really say how we felt i do think it does you know if the if the movie ends in the car with them hugging i think it's excellent way for the film to end um, but the twist just kind of puts everything over the top. Um, yeah, I absolutely and, and makes it a better film. I agree. I, I absolutely think that it works without the twist. Um, I did want to talk briefly. We haven't talked yet about uh, Donnie Wahlberg. Uh, I, I was since we were working backwards. I was saving it for last, <laughs> but let's do it for such a small part. Like, what an impression this guy makes. It's. Sort of legendary now because one of the two things people say about this movie is they talk about the twist and they say, did you know that was Donnie Wahlberg? Because it doesn't look like Donnie Wahlberg at all. Like at yeah. all, like he's I, unrecognizable in the role. Yeah, I guess he lost like thirty five pounds just for this one scene that he was in. Like this, this guy went all in on it and. Like this is kind of pre Marky Mark, right? Like this is this is pre Mark Wahlberg as a theatrical presence, maybe. Like, okay, yes, because like, Marky Mark was around. Marky Mark, but Mark was around. Wahlberg wasn't a, like, an actor in the same way. Yeah, like I don't know if it's before Marky Mark was like early '90s, wasn't it? Boogie Nights, I think, uh, was like the. Oh big... no, I'm not talking about the acting. I'm oh, talking yeah, yeah, about yeah, yeah, Marky the music. Mark. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I'm saying like the the he was not like the established. Uh, actor right. that he is today, He's movie star, like movie, star, you know. Um, so you like the only thing that anybody knew about Donnie Wahlberg before this was New Kids on the Block, right? Like this is a new kid, and and he comes into this movie and just sells the shit out of it. Like he's so again pitiful, but also menacing and dangerous and it's interesting in that scene because you see bruce willis in a really different light than what you usually see him in in movies you know like usually like he's like this take charge guy and he would go after him and figure things out but in this case like 
he's like when the when Mark or Donnie Wahlberg yells, he sits down on the bed. Like he's just like shit. Like I can like yeah. back, backs away from it. Like he he doesn't know how to respond to it. You know that's just not part of his character to be this confrontational, and uh, it, it's one of the loudest moments in a very quiet film you know when when he starts yelling and so on uh and i just i don't know it's it's amazing what a powerful scene it is and then how the movie makes you forget it you know that's what gets me right so as someone who's always known the twist i wondered because when you know the twist you can never watch it from the standpoint of someone who doesn't it's just impossible and i wonder how many people clued in Right. Because, I mean, the movie starts off with him being shot. And halfway through the movie, you find out that the kid sees dead people. And yet it seems like nobody's brains made that connection. No. Which is amazing. And I wish I could have been there. For that. <laughs> but for me, it's like I'm like, why couldn't people tell? Because. Here he is dying at the beginning of the movie. We should have known, you know, but yeah, and it does That's just I I can't go back and figure out how. You really would think that that you would be able to figure it out, but nobody did. Like nobody figured it out. And and you also were kind of like unclear on what caused the divide between him and his wife. You know, like like you can tell they're having marital problems after he was shot. And like they clearly were not at the beginning of the movie, and uh, but this distance has come between them, and you just assume that it's like as a result of him getting shot, and you know, like the recovery process or something, and you right. know, like she maybe blames him. It's still for- a hugely traumatic event, right? And she's got Zoloft in the in the in the medicine cabinet, and. Yeah, they had a guy in their house that shot like that's enough of an event to shake the foundation of your marriage. I think is is easy for me to buy into maybe that's what's going on. Right. Yeah, and so like watching it you, like it's interesting because it plays on like how surface level people watch films, right? Like you're not watching it and analyzing it at the same time. I mean, at least not, I don't you know? Not on your first viewing. Not on at your least. first yeah. viewing. You're like you're watching it. You're getting entertained. Scenes happen. Things play out, and you're not really digging into like what's going on on a deeper level. And that's what this movie takes advantage of. You know, and then and I would argue that the is nuts. the correct way to watch a movie. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think. <laughs> I think so too. Like these conversations that we have. You know, we put a lot of thought into them before we have them, but like we're not thinking about this shit while we're watching the movie, right? Like we're just watching right. the movie, you know. And then they kind of go back and retrospectively go through it and think about all the different things. But uh, yeah, I, I, like this this movie completely takes advantage of the fact that that you're just there being entertained, you know, on a surface level, and then you know points out that hey, you're a dummy. Maybe you should have been paying attention. <laughs> So is this the first ever elevated horror movie? Oh, that's interesting. No. You know not to steal your thunder with questions. You know what but. this reminds me of um more than anything uh watching it is The Exorcist which okay. which is also I mean it's very 
tonally similar, you know, um, in, in, while it's very different in subject matter, like just the, the quiet of this movie and how it doesn't necessarily always rely on music and how like it's just kind of it feels muted and there's this thing about yeah. the exorcist that always strikes me and it's what i feel like a lot of the imitators and sequels and things like that to the exorcist never quite got and that's how tonally weird and quiet and almost suffocating it is you know like there's a feeling when you're watching the exorcist like it's almost like the feeling of fall you know, like when the leaves start mm-hmm. to turn and the wind starts to blow up and you feel like something's coming and and you're not quite sure what it is. And and everybody kind of talks like, you know, the, very conversationally the way you would talk to somebody when you're in a room alone, you know, like you don't yell and carry on, you know, you kind of like have quiet. Conversation. And that's that's what this movie reminded me of this time when I was watching. I was like, this is like very it's given me exorcist vibes, you know, and not the demonic position and the cross and the head spinning and the right. puke and all that. Although there is puke, there is puke, uh, there is puke. <laughs> but, but just, just, you know, the feel of it, you know, just the yeah. feel of it that it, and it is so quiet. Um, and I loved some of the, like the cinematography in it, the way it constantly was playing with like reflections you know, like the, it has these conver- the entire conversations play out like reflected in glass or, you know, there's that moment where he reaches for the uh, for the doorknob and you see his reflection in the in the doorknob. And uh, I don't know. So, no, so, OK, so get back to your to your question. No, I don't feel like it's the first elevated, quote, elevated uh, horror yeah. film. But I will say that it was the first one in a while. And in, in, yeah. in, in some ways, I almost hesitate to even call it a horror film, you know, like, yeah, that's true. It, it's scary. I, I read an interview with Toni Collette and she said she didn't even know it was a horror film while she was filming it. She was thinking of it as a family drama with some supernatural elements. And then she watched it and was like, oh, this is scary as shit. You know, <laughs> like, like uh, it, it can be played in a few different ways. Um, but, yeah, I do think that there were some prior horror films that could be considered quote elevated rosemary's babies another one that comes to mind um you know that are like very cinematic and uh theatrical like elevated to the level of cinema as opposed to movies you know well i i think of more elevated horror when i think of the term i think of something that goes beyond just here for the thrills and chills and there's a story to tell and there's honestly a lot of times hope at the end um feels like you know the one that people bring up mostly because of the scream remake it would be like the babadook you know and how that deals with grief i think that's kind of overly metaphorical um but in this i think like just the how well acted it is and how good of a movie it is even without the thrills yeah you know yeah i mean i I do think that that's something that horror regularly does that maybe non-horror fans don't clue in on like i'm thinking of films like that could be like carrie like that's that's a film that deals in, in a book that deals with things like you know 
religious fanaticism and uh, child abuse and like all all sorts of like greater themes to draw out right. of that, you know, um, bullying and da 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 da. Um, we'll have to do Carrie at some point. Yeah, maybe, maybe have to, wink. Have to think about that one. Wink. <laughs> Brian De Palma coming soon. So, uh, so yeah, I, I do think like. It, it, I think there are a lot of like thinking of horror as a genre, I think is a mistake because I think there are genres within horror. Right. And, and so there's like the hack and slashers, which we all love your Jason's. We we do. Give me a Voorhees all day. Your, your Michael Myers and so on. But even like I draw a line between those and the original nightmare on Elm street. Right. Like I feel like the original nightmare on Elm street is, uh, quote a little more elevated than that you know like i think friday the 13th are popcorn movies they're fun they're good movies but they're popcorn movies right nightmare on elm street there's something else going on there you know yeah i can't watch it that i that movie is actually scary like (laughs) it is i I listed it like if you asked me to name horror films that actually scared me that's like right up there at the top of the list that movie scared the shit out of me i had bad dreams about that thing for decades after you know and i've seen it like lots of times it's one of my favorites but yeah right it really scared me um so yeah like i like i i feel like you know and then there are the moments when you know your roman pulaski's and so on dip into the horror genre you know and and make their version of a horror movie so i feel like there are tiers and subgenres within horror that you know there's a lot of play there you know, so to, to say, I I will say that I that this was definitely like a benchmark in horror. This spawned a lot of imitators. You know, there were yeah. a lot of Sixth Sense likes that came out after this movie. And you know that a movie hits hard when you see this like wave of imitators <laughs> come after it. Yep. So uh, on, on that way, I would say that it was like a landmark, a groundbreaking movie, um, something that that people have aspired to and have never hit sense you know yeah well i i mean um i guess for me i I, my next question is is anything gonna top this like this season to me because i went in getting ready to watch this and afterwards i'm like this this is the best thing he's ever made now granted we're gonna rewatch everything but to me i'm like i don't know how he tops this I don't know how it's so good, which has to be a struggle as a director, right? Like, right. When you, yeah. when your first, when your first thing is your best thing and you're just chasing that for the rest of your career, like, how do you, how do you live with that? It's like being a one hit wonder, you know? I mean, he is not a one hit wonder, but like right. in, in musical terms, like you release your first album, it goes to the top of the charts and then the rest of your life, you're just chasing that, you know? Um, I don't know. I think, I think there might be some other things that come along that are as good as this, you know, I'm mean, like signs. I just, I just absolutely love, but I, yeah. I do think that this establishes a lot of the M night tropes, you know, like, yeah, this establishes those quiet conversations, you know, which are so goddamn effective, and I don't know why nobody else does it. But nobody else does. Nobody else does the quiet M night conversations, right? Like just these, mm-hmm. they almost whisper at each other, and and the sound mix is so good, you can always tell what everybody is saying. 
but they're so muted and it's so effective because it leaves you like hanging on every word that the people are saying. So like it establishes that it establishes the Philadelphia setting for like all of his films almost, except, you know, for a few of the more recent ones, um, you know, the look and feel uh, talk Fujimoto as the cinematographer, you know, like I think contributes a lot to these movies. And I think as we get further along into them, we can start talking about, uh, him and his contributions to to M yeah. Night's career, uh, he's he is in some ways like the John Williams to M Night Spielberg, right? Like, right. This is somebody that that definitely is a large part of of the success of you know his career. Um, so yeah, I do think I do think we might see some other things that kind of hit this high. I don't know if we're going to see anything that's better than this, right? That's what I mean. It's like, are we packing it in number one with a bullet? I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, we'll we'll see. We'll rank them. <laughs> we'll rank them, of course. So yeah, did you have any other? I know we covered a lot. We did. We covered a lot quickly. Uh, have you ever gone to see a psychic? Never. No. No. I grew up. My my mom was like, "Nope, that's just the devil." And so I was like, "Yep, that's the devil. I'm not doing it." So no, I've never seen a psychic. Yeah, I probably could have guessed that. Do you do you believe? Uh, do you believe in people with psychic powers? Have you ever had any experiences like beyond like going specifically to see a psychic? Did have you ever had any experiences that made um, you believe uh, that maybe people are a little more gifted and insightful than others? Yes. So I and none of them own businesses that say psychic and have the hand and charge people money for their gifts. That's my none of those people actually have gifts other than illusion and uh, manipulation. Yeah. Personally, that's my opinion. But I have had as someone who's grown up in the church um, and depending on where you go, there are places that have something called words of knowledge where the the idea is that God speaks to them and tells them something that they have no way of knowing on their own, and then it allows them to guide them in prayer. I've had people pray for me and get words of knowledge that apply only to me. And um, so that's, as far as I really want to go into that, it's intensely personal for me. Um, but yes, I... as. I do have some, I'm very cautious though too, right? Like I, I don't want to buy everything right away. Yeah. You know, like if someone's like, I've got this word for you, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, uh, okay, we'll get out of here. <laughs> like, but I have been in a place where I've, someone has had that word for me and it, it meant something and it means something to me still today. So yes, and this is interesting. So okay, I don't want you to talk about your personal situation, obviously, right. but could you talk a little bit about the process of how this works and like how this is delivered to people? Like, is it during a church service? So is it like, it depends like, like okay. So uh, if I think a lot of things that are true in the faith I practice have been bastardized and monetized and are hurtful and harmful and by television preachers and like terrible people manipulating people 
for money by using faith. Yes. So the times that I've experienced it are in private moments where, hey, like I'm someone who believes a lot in prayer. So let's say I'm having a hard time in my life with whatever. And I go, hey, Eric, would you mind praying for me? This is going on in my life. And then you'd pray and say, hey, I'm just, I'm getting this impression. It's kind of bugging me. Does this mean anything to you? And then maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. And and that's kind of how it works in the churches I've been in where I think it's actually effective, where someone is like, they're not trying to impress you with the power or the fact that God is speaking to them, but they're just saying, man, this is something's, I, I, this word keeps coming up. This, you know, does something going on with your dad at home or whatever, you know what I mean? And you could argue that it's, it's something else and that's fine. You know, I'm not trying to just to prove anything. No, no, this, um, this is fascinating but to say to me. For, for me, um, when it's real or healthy, even it's in those smaller moments, the whispered moments, it's, um, not meant to impress anyone. Uh, it's just like this is what's happening. It's a you know? private and, exchange between two people. Right? It's not. It's not and like it's a big not showy. on stage. So the guy on stage who's like, I've got a feeling that someone here, you know, that's the same shit as Sylvia Brown on Montel Jordan to me. Yeah. I honestly, and um, I don't like that uh, because one, your odds are in your favor because that's the trick, right? is when you have a big crowd of people in front of you, someone knows someone with the, the letter R, they died recently. You got pretty good odds yeah, to hit the mark, right? And But when you're in the private moments, that's when you're really questioning whether what you're experiencing, if you're the person receiving the word is getting, is because you're like, really, I got one person in front of me. And this could be dead wrong and I'll look silly, right? You know? And also, no one's going to see you be right if you are right. Right, this, right. This whole thing so about even pride as, as and, the person who's like expressing the word, it's almost like a leap of faith. Like this could just be nothing. Like I could just be putting right. myself out. I could There's, be embarrassing myself with this. Like if you go, hey, does uh, a purple jaguar car mean anything to you? And they're like, no. You're like, damn. Okay, where did that come from? <laughs> you know, like, or you know something else. Like you know, I. One of the examples was I was like, my back was hurting, so I was getting prayer for it. But then it started going somewhere else that I didn't ask for, but that I was praying for in my private life the night before. And that's kind of where it was like, oh, like, okay, like this is, this feels different. So, and again, it's very private. Contextually, <laughs> yeah, contextually, like, could this happen to anyone? I mean, like, are there specific people that are more receptive to this sort of thing? Or is this something that, like, anyone could be like, oh, hey, this thing occurred to me. Does it mean anything to you? Like, or is this something that, like, is more, like, people are, like, attuned to it? You know, like... I personally would avoid anyone who's like, I've been given the gift. I've got the words of knowledge. I would... Personally, I would be like... No, go away. But I do know people who I think have the ability to hear and listen in that way. 
they're also extremely humble. Yeah. They haven't given themselves a title over it. Anyone who's like, I am a prophet. Nope. Go away. They've just been like, hey, man, does this mean anything to you? Like, and it's, and it's the one, the people who I trust are the ones who are like, I'm not sure that this is anything. When they say that, I'm like, you might have something, right? It's the ones who are like, because I've had someone come up to me and be like, I've, I've, I've told people they're going to be pastors when they're young children and they grow up to be pastors and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, okay, he's like, you're going to be a pastor. And I'm like, huh? <laughs> like, I'm just, I don't want to desire to do that. You know, and it just like, I, I, in my personal life, I, I really question anyone who tries to use the gifts of God as a way to self-glorify. And uh, so that immediately turns me off. Right. Like if you're boasting about those things. So, yeah. Yeah. Huh. It's interesting. How do we get down this road? Yeah. I don't know. I, cause I, I know made that you, I it made seems weird for some people. Because, but Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting to me because this is something that's completely outside of my experience with my religious upbringing, you know, which was yeah. Lutheran and very well, stilted and Protestant, you know. And, uh, and, and so it's, and this is somewhat recent to me because I, I grew up Baptist, right? And the things I'm saying now, would probably be like whoa heresy in that church right and then but I, I was fortunate to find a church that was very much like hey um we do believe god does stuff still uh but we're also normal people <laughs> <We're> <laughs> not, i was like we're not i was like insane <laughs> right this is my home right we're not like we realize that sometimes this stuff is weird and um that's okay like i that attitude towards it gave me comfort to say okay maybe maybe there is something because as soon as it becomes self-inflating i i'm like no like yeah that's that doesn't that doesn't work for me yeah that's interesting uh so i had one one experience to share that's very different from yours but interesting nonetheless um so my my oldest daughter is 10 years old and uh, when she was a baby, we had trouble with breastfeeding. Like she couldn't latch mm-hmm. on correctly, you know, and there's all these lactation consultants that you go to and so on. So so my wife's sister had been to see this woman and suggested that we go see her. And she was like, eh, she's a little unusual, but they're like, go check it out. So this lady has like this clinic. So we went there and I called her the baby whisperer because she she like she took the baby and she put her on the table and she kind of like manipulated her limbs and she curled her up in the little ball. And she was like touching different pressure points on this little tiny like she was like mm-hmm. a week old, two weeks old, you know, and, and, you know, just like bending her around and stuff. And she was like, OK, now try, you know, and, and it worked and the baby could latch on. And we never had any problems again. But I was clearly somewhat skeptical of this. I was like, what is what <laughs> yeah. what is she doing? Like this is just nothing. Like she's just this is weird. She's a weird toucher. Like <laughs> I don't know <laughs> what is going on. But at one point the woman leaned over and she touched the side of my knee, right? With two fingers. She just touched my knee, right like where my kneecap meets. And she said, Oh, you have a bad tooth on the upper right side of your mouth, you need to go get that looked at. And I was like, okay, baby lady. (laughs) 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 And I did have a bad tooth, like on the other side that I was going to go get a filling on or whatever. But I was just like, all right, fine. So like three months later, I met big boy 
and I'm eating a chicken finger. And on the right side, top right side of my mouth, one of my teeth just fucking disintegrated in my mouth. Yeah. Like just fell apart. It was the most disconcerting thing. Like I didn't even really know anything was wrong with it. It just fell apart. And I ended up having to get like a root canal and a cap and like all this shit. And I was kind of like, oh, fucking baby whisperer. <laughs> man, the baby yeah. knew she knew. <laughs> oh, God, she knew. Uh, so like, again, no idea what that is. Like, like at her place, there was all sorts of literature about like pressure points on the body and just knowing things and how the how everything is interconnected. One of those things like where like you know if you have a backache, you can press parts of your feet and like get it better and so on and so forth. But it just it all made zero sense to me until right. until that happened, and I was like, oh well, you know, much respect to the baby hey. whisperer. Um, I also, <laughs> that's the thing that I always is there's a, um, I can't know the exact quote, but there's a quote in the Bible. It's like, you'll know a prophet because what they say will come true. Right. And, um, that I always keep with me because someone will give you the, oh, this is, this is a word I have for you. I'm a prophet. I'm like, oh, we'll see, you know, we'll see. Um, like me with the way to the baby. It's interesting. Like, look at that. <laughs> that <laughs> look at that. Whoa. Go back and listen to Prayer. Oh, jeez. How did you know? <laughs> now, now, now I'm a prophet. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I also, uh, in, in high school, uh, no, I'm not in high school. In college, I, I dated a woman and we dated for a couple years probably. And it was a good 18 months that we had been dating and she told me one day in a very like abashed and kind of shamed way that she saw auras, right? So yeah. like she could see auras around people. It's always more believable when they're like, <sighs> yeah, like I don't make fun of me. We had like, been exclusively kind of dating for <laughs> yeah. years, and she finally was like, oh, "I'm gonna tell you this fucking thing," you know. And she told me, and, yeah. and I had no reason to doubt her. And she never really offered any like, "I'm gonna read your aura," or "I've seen this person's aura and they have cancer," or like none of that. It was just this like thing that she shared. And then it never really came up again, but I had never really right. had any reason to doubt her, right? Like, because she was a very normal person. And so, yeah. uh, but that was, that's kind of it. That's kind of it. Do you think there's anything to the idea that, like, children have more sensitivity than adults? No. No? Nothing? No, not just my immediate knee-jerk reaction. Not really. I mean, No. I, I, if anything, I think they have less. Like, I found myself to be a much more sensitive and understanding person the older i get you know like being aware of people's body language and you know i can tell this person's not in a great mood because of life experience and so but that's very terrestrial if we're talking from a uh supernatural realm i still don't but you know <laughs> i'm like as someone who uh it goes to church and believes a lot of supernatural things i'm also extremely skeptical of most of them right i've just like even the things i do believe i'm like oh let me weigh this let me measure it let me make sure that this makes sense yeah um, let me approach it with i because i i do believe but i also have seen plenty of people led astray right because they have this blind like my 
that's how cults start, right? You know, my my pastor has been giving these words from God, and I have to believe them no matter what, because if I don't, then I'm doubting God. And da, da, da. Me, I'm like the opposite. I'm like, you have a word? All right, let me measure it. Let me let me weigh it against what I know. Let me let me think about it. Let me put it together. Let me, and and even when I do that, I don't come to a decision, you know, or whatever. <laughs> like I just, I, I I'm very skeptical. Um, agreed. Same, but also open. Yeah, I do. All I, on the other side of the coin, though, I do feel like life sometimes offers you moments that are unexplainable. You know, like yeah. like there are things that happen that you just can't explain um my oldest son's 23 when he was like two years old one time we were getting ready to go visit some friends and he was like uh i can't remember specifically how he phrased it but he he said something along the lines of we can't go the normal way because of the ambulances right and i was like what are you talking about went the normal way boom giant accident on the road you know like ambulances fire trucks and all this and i was kind of like (laughs) (laughs) only time he ever did anything like that though you know like i do do think that there are like moments and they could just be coincidence but there are moments in life where things happen that you're kind of like okay i'm gonna just choose to ignore that and we're gonna move on with everything. Like, I wonder how many times in right. my life some weird hinky shit happened that I was just like, "All right, gonna just shut that out. Gonna put a blinder up to that because that was just too weird. We're just gonna move on." You know? Right? Yeah. No, I, I, I kind of, I, I don't know that I put a blinder onto it, but I would say is like, maybe you know, I, I'm gonna test it. You know, I'm, I'm gonna. Not buy it at face value yeah. is, I guess, the best word, a way of, of putting it. There was one time, probably about five years ago, I was out in the backyard walking the dog, and I had this little route around our backyard. It's pretty big. Our yard is like an acre, so I had this little route around the backyard. And walking the dog, walking the dog, and over on the side, underneath the bushes, there was this little animal there. And I'm looking at this little animal, and I'm like, is that an owl? Is it a raccoon? And it's just sitting there looking at me, right? Is it a possum? Yeah. Is it? And I realized I can't tell what this animal is. And it's right there. And it's not moving. And it's looking at me. And my brain isn't able to categorize what this thing is. And so I was just like, all right, come on, Poppy, let's go. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> to this day, I have no idea what that thing was that was sitting there looking at me in my yard, yeah. you know? And and like when I think about it too hard, I start getting like, a, don't look at it. Don't look at it too much because what the fuck was that? You know? <laughs> like, and, and that's the sort of thing I'm talking about where I'm just like, my mind and I have to just agree that we're not going to examine that situation yeah, too hard yeah. because we don't want to go nutball, you know? Uh, right. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> On that note, that's all the questions I have for six cents. Yeah. Well, I think uh, we both, Certainly agree. This is the best movie we've seen so far. Oh, yeah, but it's, yes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but we're going to put that uh, on the shelf for a bit uh, because now we got to watch a bonus. You ready for a bonus? I am ready for a bonus. What do we got? It's the 
aforementioned, as you had guessed or spoiled for yourself or however you want to put it, uh, we're going to watch Stuart Little. And the main reason, <laughs> the writer of the screenplay is M. Night Shyamalan. Which is just foggers, man. <laughs> right. Yeah, It's I, I had no idea. Yeah. Did you... um? Have you seen this? You know, I, I, on some level, I feel like I have, but I don't remember at all. Like, I have this vague idea that Michael J. Fox is the voice. And yeah, that is... That's about that all is I know. It. Like, that's all I've got. I'm, like, thinking, okay, some early 2000s shitty CGI, uh, you know, uh, that's, that's all. I mean, I, I have nothing beyond that. So, yeah, this is going to be an interesting one because it's going to be fairly, fairly new to me. What if it breaks us? What... <laughs> <laughs> what if it breaks us? It's, it's emotionally overwhelming, and we have to question our reality. Yeah, <laughs> I'm open to it. Good times. All right. Well, I guess yeah. we will see All everybody right. well, in one we'll, week, right? One week for this one. One week. We'll be back in one week as we watch Stuart Little. Thanks, y'all. Bye.